welcome in Facebook Live. Welcome. Why don't you turn to someone sitting nearby and just tell them welcome. Glad to see you on campus today. What a great day to be in the kingdom, right? Great day to be in the house of the Lord. I really, uh, this morning, appreciate so much Brother Jonathan and Sister Michelle Grown. They're extraordinarily talented people. Uh, and in fact, they increasingly, and even some in the past, have been asked to minister in music uh, at various places in the United States. At one point, Brother Jonathan even went overseas uh, with his music. Um, just extremely talented people with no limit on doors of opportunity to use their talent for the kingdom. But a few months, or quite some months ago, they both felt a burden, a passion, saw an opportunity to begin mentoring students, young people, who are talented uh, or, or have potential and talented in music and singing. And they have thrown their mind, their mind, heart, and soul into that. And if you think about what that's like, not only learning a song, you know, if you were an accomplished musician and singer, just to learn a song is a lot of effort. But they've taken on the task of, of, of teaching these students music in, at some level, teaching them to play in a live environment, teaching them to play church music, uh, leading worship, making it not just about the music and the voices, but lifting it up as worship to God. There's been a lot of effort, a lot of work that they have put into it. And you've heard from the JV, pray, uh, JV worship band several times. I think you may have heard from the uh, JV praise team a, a time or two. But it all kind of just came together last Wednesday night. It all kind of culminated. And this group that you see behind me opened the service and youth service Wednesday night and absolutely brought the house down. I mean, they just did a tremendous job. But more than that, they were anointed and they uh, worshiped. And so we've asked them to open our service this morning with that song. You've got the JV praise team, the JV worship band. They are here to lead us into God's presence. They don't want you to just sit and be entertained. They want you to worship with them. They're anointed. They're doing great things for God. They're doing great things for the kingdom. If you're going to get behind them and help them open this service with worship, would you clap your hands to Jesus right now?
give the Lord some praise. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. If you've come to wade into that river today, would you just let it be known with your praise, with your worship, lifting your voice, lifting your hands. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. Oh, I'm thankful for the Holy Ghost today. How about you? Didn't they do a great job? Amen. So proud of our students. I told our Sunday school class, the adult Sunday school class this morning, I just I don't have any specific evidence or statistics or anything, but I just sense not only in our church, but across our country, students this age and on into college age, they're passionate about the kingdom. They're wanting to make a difference. They're wanting to be involved. They, they, they're hungry to see heaven come to earth by way of an apostolic revival, and I think that's all right. I think we ought to do everything we can to support them. Three quick reminders, and then the praise team is going to take over and continue leading us in worship. Don't forget Tuesday morning prayer this Tuesday. That'll be at 10 o'clock right here in the sanctuary. And then uh, next Saturday, which is October the 1st, hard to believe, October the 1st, next Saturday, in the Alexander Center from 5 to 7, there will be a Bible quiz kickoff. And so this is for all the students and parents who have signed up, who have said, we're going to take the plunge. And we're going to be Bible quizzers this year. So if that's you, if you signed up and made the commitment, there is a kickoff meeting with Sister Courtney Henson next Saturday night from 5 to 7. And then finally, I'm excited to tell you, the second annual Grace Church Chili Cook-Off is going to go down. Yeah. It's going to happen. Mark your calendar for October the 29th. October the 29th. And if you're interested in being a cook and entering your chili, you need to contact Sister Sheila in the church office. Now's the time to do it. Get on the list. The rest of us will enjoy coming out and trying to judge which one is the best, right? Amen. God bless you. One more time, clap your hands to Jesus. The praise team is coming at this time.
for being in the house of the Lord. Remain standing as you return to your seats. We're glad to see all of you. Those of you watching online, we're so glad to have you with us as well today. Thank you for that. Thank the Lord. And I'm thankful that Jesus is here today. I'm always thankful that Jesus is here. Thank the Lord. I appreciate being in the presence of the Lord. How about our youth band, our, our JV singers today? Let's give them some appreciation today. Thank the Lord. They did amazing. And uh, in so many ways, as pastor, I feel like I'm living in a dream. These things are literally things I've dreamed of, I've hoped for, uh, and they've come to pass. It's been a part of our vision here at Grace Church to have young people that we can have participate, to sing, to lead us in worship. And that has come to pass. I'm deeply thankful, along with Brother Dave. I'm very thankful for Jonathan and Michelle taking this on and doing such an amazing job. Let's give them some appreciation this morning. Thank the Lord. Thank the Lord. I've come today with a, a message. And uh, it's a kind of message that you don't hear real often those of you that would appreciate this kind of message, I would encourage you to take advantage of it. And uh, It's coming from the depths of my spirit, was born out of our Wednesday night Bible study. So that being said, I want to call your attention to Matthew chapter 16, very familiar reading in verse, beginning in verse 24. I'll thank you in advance for your attention and your mighty response for the altar service today. Then Jesus said unto his disciples, If any man will come after me, or if any man will let me go first, let me deny himself, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. 
For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. And whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. For what is a man profited? If he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul. What shall a man give in exchange for his soul? I want to speak to you for a little while this morning about three eternal values. Three eternal values. I'm going to cast a very broad net here today, uh, but I would certainly appreciate our, our amazing young people uh, lending me your ear today, and you will, you always do. Everybody say thank the Lord for the word. Thank you for standing, and you may be seated. <clears throat> Three eternal values. Of all the things that we possess, of all the things that we possess, on what do we place the most value? There's, a tan there's tangible values in our life today, and there's, if you will, intangible values, and I want you to give what I'm about to say uh, a lot of weight. The tangible values, of course, is when we talk about, of all the things that we possess, on what, on what do we place the most value most of us would default immediately to our tangible things. That would be our, our home, our family, our automobile, our children, our job, not necessarily in that order. But these are tangible things. I, I would, I'm happy to say this morning that uh, everybody here today, um, if you have a mom and dad, raise your hand. For those of you that didn't, I'd like to see you after church and let's talk this through. It's not that you don't have a mom and dad, just too tired. It's too much trouble to do that right there. Um, everybody here today that has family places a, a great deal of value on your family. Uh, most of us, moms and dads, but I would like to even believe that particularly dads, I know there's some dads here today, don't mess with their wife or their kids because you have such a passionate love and uh, respect and regard for your family. A lot of us value our homes, our jobs, all of these things. These are tangible values. But what about perhaps intangible values, things you can't necessarily see? How much value do you place on your attitude? How much value do you place on your feelings? I had a conversation with somebody this morning, as a matter of fact, about feelings, about friendships and good friendships, and when friendships don't go like you plan and what have you. There's a high priority and I struggled with this. I still struggle with it. I struggle with my feelings. And everybody here does. How much value do you place on your church? How much do you value do you place on Grace Church? How much value do you place on God's church? How much 
value do you place on God Himself? What, where is God on your priority list? How often do you think of Him? There's a lot of things that are important. There's values that we have that are high priority. I've mentioned some of those, but it's not those things that I've particularly come to talk to you about today. I want to go right to the heart of the matter, if you will, when it comes to values. There are values in our life that have eternal weight to them. They may not always seem that important to you. They may not always seem to be in the forefront of your mind all the time. But they should be. They should be. The first value that I want to launch into this morning, and I could obviously, you could preach hundreds of sermons on every on all three of these, but I'll only spend a short time on each one, trusting that you get the point and you get it quickly. I believe the first value we have in our life of eternal weight and measure is the cross. The cross is something, I'm not trying to sound like a saint, but I think of the cross often. There's rarely a day that goes by that the cross of Calvary does not run through my mind. Again, I could spend a long time on all of these, but I, I need to be more brief this morning than lengthy. But I recall having this rendezvous with God, especially when I was a teenager. I'm going to refer to a little bit more of that later. But I remember hearing songs about the cross. I remember the youth choir from what was then Brother James Kilgore's church in Houston, Texas, came to the first church in Baton Rouge when I believe, uh, I'm not sure if Sister Murph were married. I'm, uh, she and I were married at the time, but they said they sang a song. There's a, a young man in that choir that sang the solo on, on the verses, and I can still hear his voice saying, Have you had a Gethsemane? Have you prayed the whole night through? Have you ever sweat, as it were, great drops of blood? These songs made an indelible impression on me. I remember uh, hearing my sweet uncle, uh, bishop of the church in Cincinnati, uh, he went on to his reward uh, last year. Um, I remember when I was a teenager, my mother and I flew to Cincinnati, and he preached one Sunday night on Calvary. I've never forgotten it. I took notes. I still have those notes on that sermon. I showed him those notes just several years ago. He said he didn't particularly even remember that sermon. I said, I've never forgotten it. The cross has made an indelible impression on my mind. The Bible said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, we don't have these on the screen, it's okay. But the Bible, Paul said, for Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel. I feel that way here today. I was called not to preach cotton candy and little sweet candy bars. I was called to preach the gospel. And I cannot shirk that duty, neither can I shirk that responsibility. 
But he said, I was called to preach the gospel, not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be of none effect. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. I want to remind Grace Church here this morning that that eternal symbol, if you will, that's come to our minds and I've reminded you of, it doesn't matter what goes on in our life. It doesn't matter what happens in our life, good nor bad. There's an eternal value that we must never forget, and that is the cross of Calvary. For without it, none of us would be here today. Without it, we would still be bound and sin. Without it, we would still have the trappings of the world and sin hanging around us. The beauty of the cross is the fact that we are reconciled to God by the cross. If it wasn't for the cross, none of us would know Him. None of us would know the redemptive, the redemption that we sing about. None of us would be able to testify about how it feels to be forgiven of sin. None of us would be able to share the things that we share in our relationship with God had it not been for the cross, Paul said in Ephesians chapter 2, and that he might reconcile both unto God and one body by the cross, having slain the enmity or the conflict or the despair thereby because of the cross we don't have to feel at enmity with God, in conflict with God. Because of the cross, Jesus can say, He who the Son sets free is free indeed. I'm here to preach to all of us today about the beauty, the power, and the might of the cross. Hallelujah to God. Again, I could preach a long time about the cross, but suffice it to say, another amazing attribute that all of us, especially in the climate of our world today, enjoy and appreciate is that we have peace through the cross. The Bible said, Colossians 1.20 says, And having made peace through the blood of his cross by him to reconcile all things unto himself, by him I say whether they be things in earth or things in heaven, we have peace because of the cross. It's only the grace of God that makes that happen. And if there's anything we can glory in, never ourself, but if there's anything we can glory that we can glory in, it's the cross. It's the only thing the Bible gives us permission to glory in. Paul said in Galatians chapter 6, 14, but God forbid that I should glory save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. I thank God today for the cross. The nails, the stripes, the crown of thorns. Before I move on to the next value, let me remind all of us that I think we'd be hard put to find anyone here today that would be willing to pay that kind of price for your own soul salvation, much less someone else's. I thank God today for the cross. Not only did I hear a lot about Calvary growing up as a child and as a young teenager and so on, and these things made such an indelible impression on me. Preaching back then had a, a power to it that it seems like, I don't think the pulpit lacks it. I believe it's the, 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 the crowd. Just, we've moved to another place, and 
uh, in our minds, and, and, and these aren't the things that really make us feel that wonderful and how, all of those things, but uh, I'm preaching it anyway because we need to hear it. Uh, <clears throat> but the, the uh, growing up as, as, as a kid in church, and uh, I was talking to Sister Landry this morning, having a wonderful conversation with her. I asked her when they moved to Baton Rouge from Alexandria, and she said it was in the summer of 1974, which would be about the same time, around the same time that the Nixon family moved to Baton Rouge. And um, Sister Murph and her brother had moved here, I believe, in January, February of 1974, whatever month it was. And hence, that's where Sister Murph and I met. And then I was introduced to the rest of her family later. But um, <clears throat> I remember... When Brother Young became pastor of the first church in Baton Rouge in November of 1972, uh, there was a, a, just a horrible time in 1973 where so many people in that church died. I, I believe, if I remember right, it was 10 or 12 funerals uh, that he had to minister to as a, a young pastor, uh, young in age, and uh, just being uh, newly elected at that church. So many things that need to be rebuilt. But anyway, he got through that. God gave him amazing grace, amazing ability to get through all of that. And then in early 1974, he brought in a, a minister that I remember quite well. His name was Leroy Kelly. Him and his wife came in, and they completely revamped the um, Sunday school department at the first church. They introduced what was called then center of interest, and it, it worked. It was phenomenal back then, and, and they used that uh, concept in Sunday school for many, many years, and some of you may even remember that. And, uh, but another thing that Brother Kelly did that was so impressionable to me, and that's why we're trying to invest, one of the reasons why I want to invest so much into our young people is uh, he started a youth choir. And um, the picture I'm going to have put on the screen, if you would, is, it's not the original youth choir, but it... Uh, it grew quite a bit, uh, but when it ac actually started, when the youth choir was actually started, there was just there wasn't that many uh, in it, and I will agree and confess that there was a lot of us that really didn't even know how to sing. But nonetheless, we started the, the youth choir, and uh, I'll take a moment go down memory lane. Uh, that person right there, if y'all can see my dot, red dot, that is Sheila Landry. There's Sister Murphy. Um, there's Pastor. And uh, this is real nice right there. There's Sister Bunch. Claudine Bunch right there. Isn't that amazing? All these people attend Grace Church, obviously. Sister Murphy's brother, Gary. Her other brother, Ricky. I could go all through here and name to you all of those people. We have some Suttons here today. And uh, there's Brother Bobby. And there's Sister Kay. Some of you know her as Karen. Uh, but Bobby and uh, Kay right there. We could go on and on with that list. Um, but when that youth choir started, <clears throat> one of the first songs we sung, we learned, as I remember, was a song about heaven. Eternity is my second value that I want to talk to you about for a few minutes this morning. Um, <clears throat> I remember all the old hymns that we used to sing about heaven. The praise team is working on the song I requested called Endless Praise. Can't wait till they sing it. But I remember some of the old hymns we used to sing out of the hymnals 
when the redeemed are gathering in, shouting on the hills of glory, heaven's jubilee, when the roll is called up yonder, and the list goes on and on and on. But one of the first songs I remember learning in our youth group, this was even in the days before Sister Murph and her family arrived in Baton Rouge. I was about 16 years old, I guess, 15, 16 years old, but they, we sang a song. I'd never heard it before. We didn't sing it very much, but it made an indelible impression on me, and I still remember the words. Some golden daybreak, it said, Jesus will come. Some golden daybreak, battles are won. We'll shout the victory. We'll break through the blue, some golden daybreak for me and for you. I've never forgotten that amazing song about the rapture of the church and that time when we will all be gathered together on that distant shore. The, the song the praise team is learning, we'll be learning. And all of you probably already heard it and I'm way behind and I get that. But there's a line in that song that just has revolutionized my mind. I can't get it out of my head. Is how wonderful and honored it's going to be with, to stand with those that have heard, well done. Can't imagine what that's going to be like. When I was about 14, 15 years old in this same time frame, I remember when our pastor announced that the Conqueror's Quartet was coming to Baton Rouge to sing. I couldn't wait. I was out of my mind that we're going to hear the Conqueror's Quartet. I waited and waited. It seemed forever. And when they came, I sat on the front row right over there. They were up here on the platform. I was sitting right over there, and I brought with me one of those handheld cassette tape players that had a little handheld microphone, and I recorded that service. I held that microphone like a mannequin, and I recorded from start to finish. I had made sure I had that 90-minute tape that was like 90 minutes on each side, and I recorded that entire thing. It wasn't too many months ago that I came across that tape and found me a tape player, and I put it playing. It took me for a stroll down memory lane that I wasn't perhaps prepared for. But they began singing one song. I didn't forget it. I'd never forgotten it. But those words stirred something in my soul. I can't describe to you what happened to me. But Brother Marvin Treese and his very, what do you call it, high tenor voice, whatever it is, began to sing. Sometimes it seems that I can almost see that city. Sometimes it seems I'm almost home. Sometimes it seems I can hardly wait till morning. For when morning comes, I know I'm going home. Songs that have been written about heaven. And it just puts that yearn on the inside of me that I can't wait to go. I can't wait to be a part of that. I had to look up the scripture setting found in Revelation chapter 19 
beginning with verse 1, when it's all said and done, the tribulation's over, the millennial's over, the battle of Armageddon's over, everything is over. And he said in verse 1, After those things I heard a great voice of much people in heaven saying, Hallelujah! Salvation and glory and honor and power unto the Lord our God. For true and righteous are his judgments. And he hath judged the great whore and did corrupt the earth with her fornication. He goes on to say, And the four and twenty elders and four beasts fell down and worshipped God. And a voice came out of the throne saying, Praise God, all ye servants that fear him, small and great. And I heard as it were the sound of a great multitude as the voice of many waters and the voice of a mighty thundering saying, Hallelujah, for the Lord God omnipotent reigneth. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. There's people here today that are giving no response to that. And it's troubling my spirit. I'll continue on. He said, let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him for the marriage of the Lamb has come and his wife has made herself ready. And to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white. For the fine linen is the righteousness of sin. There's another place in Revelation where he said he shall wipe the tears from their eyes. There's so many scriptures in the Bible about heaven. The place of the abode, the eternal abode for those that are right with God. I want to say to you today, those that make such a big to-do over things that's happened to you in your past. Some legitimately so. There's so many people that have been troubled by their past and hurt by their past and horrible things has happened to them by their past. I want to ask you today to not dwell quite so much on your past. On your past, if you're right with God, I'd like for you to start thinking about your future. If you'll start thinking about your future, your past won't matter. Your past won't even be remembered. Your past will never be thought of again because God is going to wipe away those tears of hurting and pain and sorrow and rejection and all of those memories of the past. I'm here to preach to Grace Church today. There's a glorious future ahead of us. There's an amazing future ahead of us. There's a great promise ahead of us. Jesus said, I'm going to prepare a place for you. And if I go, I'll come again and receive you unto myself that where I am there you may be also. Everybody clap your hands to the Lord. Everybody clap your hands. Oh yes. Oh yes. Oh yes. Oh yes. The great value, eternal value in our life should be the promise of heaven. In conjunction with that, Not only is there heaven, but there is also hell. I want to remind everybody here today that Jesus referred deliberately. It was planned. It was orchestrated. He referred to to give the description of hell himself. He didn't let anybody else do it. He did it. There's a lot of reasons that I believe exist for that Jesus doing it himself. I don't think nobody had ever seen hell like he did. 
I don't think anybody has ever have, has have able to develop the scope and the perspective of hell that Jesus did. I can't imagine I've preached it many times in the past. I don't believe God ever intended for man to go to hell. I believe that with all of my heart. He created Adam and Eve, and it was never his intention for them to go there. And I can't imagine what it did to the heart of God when they sinned. And that was his only option. Let me tell everybody in this building something. You listen with all all the hearing you have available to you right now. God don't send people to hell. You understand with me today. You don't need help. It takes no effort whatsoever to be lost. Takes no effort. But I want you to notice the description. I want our young people to hear the description that Jesus gave of hell. He said, If your right eye offend you, if your eyes look at things they're not supposed to look at, if you can't keep your eyes from wandering around in the wrong places, that includes pornography and right on down the line. If you can't keep your eyes in the right place, Jesus said it would be better for you to pluck your eyes out and go into eternity blind than to go to hell seeing. Now, when Jesus said to pluck your eyes out, they didn't have all the modern day medicine that we have today. He wasn't talking about going to a nice doctor and they're going to pamper you and give you some drug before you even the surgery begins to make you feel better and make you laugh about everything. He wasn't talking about them putting you to sleep and surgically removing your eye. He didn't say that. He said it would be better for you to pluck it out. You dig your finger in there and just get a nice grip on it right behind the eye and just dig it out. That's what he said. He said it would be better to do that than to be lost and go to hell. He didn't stop. If your right hand offend you, if you can't keep from stealing and doing things or being abusive with your hand, whatever you do with your hands is not, that's not appropriate and right. He said it would be better for you, for you to cut it off. Put it on a stump and just take a hatchet and just whack it off. I heard one preacher describe it and just take that stump where your, your wrist, where your hand used to be, and just dig it down in the dirt to keep from bleeding to death. Jesus said it would be better for you to do that than to go to hell with both hands. He didn't stop there. If your foot, if your right foot offends you, if you can't stop going places that you're not supposed to go, he said it would be better for you to cut your foot off and just drive that stump down in the ground till it quits bleeding. It'd be better for you to do that. You think God's playing? I don't. He knows what hell is about. Sister Murphy and I have a piece of furniture in our living room. And on the inside of it, it's things that are very valuable. If y'all throw that on the screen, it's not a great picture, but you get the point. 
On the inside of that is things from her family and my family, heirloom stuff. I have picture of things from my brother that he made out of wood. I have things from my mother, my dad. Uh, I have my mother's glasses, her Bible. Brother, her sister Murphy has uh, her dad's Bible. It's a lot of his military accolades. Uh, she has her certificate from one of our former presidents, thanking him and congratulating him for his service in military. And we look at that often. We we go by that look often. Uh, I have things in it uh, that my kids gave me for Christmas when they were little kids, and uh, she does as well. And it's just kind of our cabinet in our house with our little heirloom stuff in it. I walk by that, and it brings it brings back great memories and all of that. But I also know that 100 years from now, I will dare say 50 years from now. That won't be worth anything, really, to anybody. These are valuables that I have. Valuables that Sister Murphy has. That's only for a time and only for a season. So are all of your heirlooms. That sweet napkin and, or handkerchief you have from your great-great-grandmother. And all of the things that you have. Tools from your dad and your stepdad and your grandfather and all of that, all of that, you get the point. All of those things, after a while, are not going to matter anymore. I want to say to all of us here today, the most valuable possession you have right now is your soul. There is no monetary value that can be placed on your soul. It's interesting to me, and we have some teenagers here today. We have 20-year-olds, 30-year-olds, 40-year-olds. We have every age group here today from infants all the way through to people here today in their 80s. Nobody ever really thinks that much when you're young about facing God. I heard a piece of information just yesterday on a college football player whose 15, 16-year-old sister died this past week of brain cancer. Nobody thinks of it happening to a person that age. I guess I applaud the young man in honor of his sister and her tenacity and courage. They said he was playing football with his team yesterday. I wonder how many people would lose their sister this week that'd be in church on Sunday morning. <laughs> Something to think about. But Jesus said, of all the things you could accomplish in this world, all the things you could gain, all the people you could win to you, and all the money you could make, and you've heard this before, and you, we, we, we've all heard it, we've heard it, we've heard it. But the question is still paralyzing to me. When it's all said and done and you stand before God, what would you give in exchange for your soul? Y'all give me some latitude here this morning. Sister Murphy and I have had this conversation. I want to be very careful. don't want to judge, but I can't get it out of my head. All of us know that Queen Elizabeth, Queen of England, was loved and adored and cherished by
by people all over the world and people have cried sincere tears, but I can't help but go back to this one thing. Of all the wealth that she had, of all the influence and power that she possessed, what was it like when her soul stood before God? I did tell Sister Murph this. She, for the first time in her life, saw somebody that was really rich. She did. But what was it like? I think of this all the time. I thought about it in light of Elvis Presley, Michael Jackson, the basketball player Kobe Bryant. What was it like? I'm not here to say they're saved or not saved. I'm not implying that. But what is it like? When you're such a person of influence and clout and power and, and wealth hardly that can be counted, what is it like when you finally stand before God? And none of us have the guarantee of tomorrow. Nobody here today has a guarantee of being back here next Sunday, and that's what terrifies me. doesn't matter how old you are. doesn't matter how old you are. A lot of you know the uh, brother Danny and sister Kathy Smith at, at the boys' ranch. I'll never forget when we got word that their very young infant named Lauren had died of crib death. Who expects that? Who has to go through that? And then their uh, son, Landon, passed away. And uh, on and on it goes at a very young age. It can, and nobody knows. That, that's the, the thing about it is nobody knows. So it's our duty and responsibility when we consider three eternal values, the cross, eternity, and our soul. There's nothing greater than that. There's nothing of greater priority than that. I'm talking to everybody here today. I'm talking to myself here today. What concerns me is when we don't value it like we should. But what, we concern, what concerns me the most, and I talked about it Wednesday night, is we all have knowledge of God but how much do we acknowledge God? We all know Him. But how often do we think of Him? We had some fellowship Wednesday night after church with Brother Donnie and Sister Kathy. Thoroughly enjoyed it. And we got on this subject. It was weighing on me after church really hard. At the lack of priority we give to these things. The, the lack of time and attention we give to these things. It doesn't matter what you do. There's going to come a time for all of us. The Bible is very clear. For it is appointed unto man once to die. And after this, the judgment. What bothers me is when people used to acknowledge God the way they should and they quit. Something happens in their life. Something goes on in their life. As a matter of fact, Several have gotten up today while I'm preaching and walked out because things are greater priority than what I'm preaching today. But there's people here today that used to acknowledge God in such an amazing way, but something happened. Sometimes I understand what happens and sometimes I don't, but bottom line for most is just the world. I just want the world. I... <laughs> I just got to have worldly stuff. And God, I know you exist. I know you're real and all that. But I just don't want to acknowledge you right now. 
The writer of Hebrews said in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 38, Now the just shall live by faith, but if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. But we are not of them that who, who draw back under perdition, but of them that believe to the saving of the soul. I want to express here today with all of my might. There's nothing more important than the saving of your soul, no matter what it takes, no matter what you have to do. May I submit here this morning and while I'm closing is that hell is hot and it's a long time. But on the other hand, heaven is going to be amazing and it's going to last a long time too. And I want to say to all of us today, Heaven is going to be cheap at any price. It doesn't matter what you have to give up. It doesn't matter what you have to say no to. You can have all the world you want, but heaven is going to be a place of incredible joy and splendor. It's going to be an incredible place of hope and happiness. Just because Jesus is there, there'll be no more devil. There'll be no more sin. There'll be no more heartache. There'll be no more heartbreak. Whatever you have to do today to be saved, heaven is going to be worth it. Everybody stand this morning. Again, heaven is going to be cheap at any price. To our wonderful, wonderful young people here this morning, I just hope and pray that you can be impacted by Calvary, by eternity, like I've been impacted. I hope you can fall in love with Jesus to such a, an extent. When college comes, it's not going to move you. When you're out from under mom and dad's watchful eye and you make decisions on yourself, you're not going to get stupid and do stupid stuff, but you're going to keep your feet firmly planted because you understand three values, the cross, eternity, and your soul. To mom and dad out there that struggle every week, there's people here today, my heart feels for you, my heart bleeds for you. Marriages that are hanging on by a thread, some have already failed. People that are still just trying to work through a day to get through a week determined somehow I've got to keep my relationship with God intact but my spouse pulls against me so hard my family pulls against me my parents pull against me folks we've got to persevere no matter what it takes we've got to persevere I don't know if I'll be here next Sunday or not you don't know if you'll be here next Sunday or not none of us knows but I told brother Brother Donnie and Sister Kathy, Wednesday night, I just wanted to be sin. The man walked with God. The man loved God. The man had a relationship with God. There was conflict. 
there was toil, there was despair, there's a lot of work, there's a lot of sweating. But I just want I just want to know that when I have my time, Melanie, where I face God and I can't take my eyes off of him, when you lock eyes with God, you're not gonna look away. And he's gonna peer into the depths of your soul and spirit. Yes, he will. It's just by the nature of God, that's what he does. And I just hope I can stand there and lift my hands and bow to my knees and say, oh, God, I'm so thankful, God. I'm so thankful that I made it to this point. God, I'm so thankful to be right with you. It was worth every battle. It was worth all the discouragement. It was worth the despair. It was worth the hardship. It was worth the heartache. It was worth everything just to stand here and be right with God. So, if the rest of you would gather around, those of you that are praying right now, just keep on praying. I believe God wants to talk to some people here today. Maybe you haven't realized the games you've been playing and maybe you haven't realized that your attitude needs a little a little tweaking. Maybe you don't realize that there's a little bit too much world going on in your mind. I preached a message not long ago. We've got heaven in our heart but the world on our minds. We've got to move beyond these things, folks, and make our calling an election Yes, Lord. 